This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. The Lead Singer Syndrome Podcast brings you never-before-heard backstage conversations right into your headphones. Be a fly on the dressing room wall as host and Silverstein frontman Shane Told talks to other lead singers about what it's like to front a professional band. Past guests include Lynn Gunn of Paris, Vic Fuentes of Pierce the Veil, Fat Mike of No Effects, and many, many more. Check it out and subscribe at leadsingersyndrome.com at the jabberjawnetwork.com. Are you an aging rock star who still has groupies hanging off you? Does the embarrassment of erectile dysfunction affect your craft? Well, there's one misfit who has a solution for you. Do you want to bang heads with me? Danzig Viagra. Danzig Viagra will work up to three hours on any three-inch penis. These pills are in the shape of the Danzig logo and are considered a choking hazard in the hands of small children. Can you keep them in the dark for life? These erections are guaranteed to make you feel relevant or your money back. Stop taking Danzig Viagra if you experience these side effects. Napoleon Complex. Find the skeletons to cover at record listenable. Support the travel ban. Start suing everyone. Rub your feces in your hair and think you look like Cher. Jerk off on your cereal and blame the neighbor's dog. Danzig Viagra. Fake boners for real badasses. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your host, Brandon Hahn and Petter Spych. Whoa, whoa. I made up for Papa Coach. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, whoa, whoa. What's going on, guys? It's the Metal Sucks Podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Brandon Hahn. I'm always joined by the other host. Petter Spych here. And uh, we got a great show for you guys planned tonight. We got Terrence Hobbs from Suffocation. Their new record uh, comes out this June 9th, this Friday, June 9th, and it is called... Of the Dark Light. Of the Dark Light. God, we're practically finishing each other's... Sentences. I was going to oh say sandwiches. My oh, fuck mm, that. I don't eat mm, your food. Mm, I don't trust you. Mm, no. I know where you've been. Mm, mm. So, uh, lots to talk about. Uh, I want to congratulate Pete, by the way. You did make up for Papa Coach. Thank so, you. So thank, thank you. D- did we make up for you stealing a bit I did on, on our other show for a year ago, and you, you ripped it off word for word on this Uber, show and pretended you did it? <laughs> Don't play that again. Letting you down? <laughs> then you got to try the newest cell phone. I'll shut up. I'll shut up. <laughs> Papa Coach. I'll shut up. You're original and you're a talent. I won't fucking talk shit again. I'm going to pop me this Danzig Viagra and go yeah. find your wife. Oh, oh whoa. damn. Whoa. Ooh. Hold on a second. Is that where we're going? So in the news this week. Is that where we're going? <laughs> we're definitely not going Oh, there. my God, dude. God. Uh, I think what I just said was I had a three-inch penis. Yeah. So no. in a way, I insulted myself. No, it, you know. no, no, no. You said you were going to have your way with my wife because obviously she would just agree with you. Because you hit the Papa Coach And your three-inch penis. <laughs> you know. No, let's, and let's, your future let's fiance is going to have no problem with it. Here. There's no... There's none of that nonsense here. Anyways, Kathy Griffin. <laughs> Jump into the fire. That big grew on me. Yeah. We wanted it. To, the, the big story that we saw is that, like, Kathy Griffin, uh, she did this thing. I know people don't like us talking politics on the show. Whatever. The reason we're bringing it up is because she did this thing where she held up a, a decapitated head of Donald Trump and looked really confused with the head in her hand. I, right. don't, know, I don't know what the direction was. I don't was, think it was the direction a, was Botox face. Go. Yeah, you know, that, like, so. That's pretty much what it was. It was like the most expressionless face that she could think of. And that she's holding up this rubber head of Donald Trump. It's all covered in blood and shit. Everyone lost their mind. Personally, and we're like, we're like, dude, metalheads like Brujeria did this earlier in the year. And Guar has done this for decades. Earlier in the year? Brujeria did that shit a long time ago. Well, they have the Donald Trump head. Oh, the the actual Donald Trump. I'm saying. yeah, yeah. They did the other shit, but they actually had the Donald Trump head. And it's like, damn, we don't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Kathy Griffin matters more than metal? Like, damn, dude. Like, she doesn't matter at all. Well, what it is, though, see, again, this is why we're doing this podcast. This is to spread the word. Spread the fucking word. Pay attention to us. Well, that's that's what it is, dude. It's because, look, metalheads, metalheads, the whole idea of metal, and, and granted, it's gotten more extreme as the years have progressed, but the whole idea was the fact that. You know, we were, you know, we were the ones that loved to dabble in blood and guts and, and witchcraft and, and extreme and things. extreme bullshit. Yeah. And then it's like and we were just doing that for shock value, like and especially bands like Guar. I mean, how many how many presidents have they cut the heads off? You know, dude, I've seen them do. I've seen them. I know they've done both both Bush. 
Yeah, they've done Bush. Bill Clinton. They, they did Obama. They did Obama. Yeah. And they're doing and they did Trump already. They've done race. They've done everything that you possibly like. I remember leaving a couple Gua shows being like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with the the whole throwing bananas at Mike Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, I don't know like, about Whoa. that, Guar. But the point is, is that like uh the shock value was always But that's what was it was. Always, and it's a comedy thing, so it's context, right? And I know technically Kathy Griffin is a comedian yeah technically technically that's what they call her or is she something else she's technically a comedian jump into the fire dude that's what i call her yeah so anyways fired and i'm not saying that she should have gotten fired i mean from cnn yeah i definitely see why that should happen oh no she should she should have been fired from she should definitely get fired for she should have never been on cnn anyway any any world leader any world leader if you're gonna you know be on like a news channel like a cnn even a fox news okay I think if you're going to decapitate a president's head, even if it's like the president of the Philippines like right. or North Korea, it's you're like you're a, a news message. person. You're probably not the person to be right. doing that. Well, what it now, is, though, obviously, Guar and things that we like, like I said, the tongue in cheek stuff, See, the Bruheria stuff. Yeah, makes Bruheria, sense. Uh, Bruheria really had a real head, though. There was one time they, well, one yeah, of their their albums, they were holding yeah. up a real fucking human head. Uh, but I, I mean, actually, I actually have that record, and I put a white piece of paper in the. Co- I couldn't want. I couldn't, really, I, I was a kid when I. I don't know, dude. That bothered me. Was it Razia Raza Odiata? Yeah, so was, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. If I spoke Peter Spanish. Wilson, <laughs> but I remember putting a cover because I'm like, that's real. I can't. I can't handle real photos. Yeah. Like if that, you're dude. not aware of who Brujetti is, uh, it's Mexican death metal. Oh, they know. Yeah, it's they're great. I they're, love. Oh, Brujetti. they're fantastic. Yeah. I love. Them. I, I have no idea what the fuck they're saying, but I'm like, dude, these guys no. go hard. Yeah, you know, I think a band that can cross over with like a language barrier. I am so fascinated with like the the popularity of Rammstein, you know, like in America. Well, like, I think with Rammstein, I I'm think it's fascinated more with that. I think it's more if Rammstein didn't put put out one of the best live shows ever. I don't think they would have the crossover. Yeah. You know, they had the one hit, they had Duhas, and that was pretty much it. But I mean, but now they, you know, they got they're pulling out giant dicks on stage and they're coming on the no, audience. I've seen them live. I've seen them live. Setting, setting each other on fire. Yeah, I mean, and, play, and you know, they're... and walking around the stage singing songs while on fucking fire. I mean, no one does that. Those guys. That's why Germans always have the reputation of just going, you know, above and beyond when it comes to stuff like that because they but know it people goes are going to talk. Show here's the thing. It goes to show you never know who's going to blow up in metal. You never no, know. Because no. would you have ever guessed Rammstein is like going to roll and play stadiums across the world speak, singing in German? No. That's an absolute like anomaly. Like yeah, There's nobody that can figure that out. But what these guys keep doing, though, is they keep topping themselves. They keep, like they put out a fucking video where it's straight porn. It's their dicks insert, being inserted into some chick. You know? And I think it's the same chick, if I'm not lying, if I'm not mistaken. I never saw that video. Well, well yeah. I know what you're talking about. That song Pussy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I never saw that video, but like, um, was it them actually fucking people? Yes, I thought it dude. wasn't. I thought yes. that was a rumor. Bro, I'm it, telling you right now. If they, I, I don't, maybe, maybe we'll look and we'll try, we'll try and look it up we, here. I mean, I, I mean, but the, the point is, is that you just never know. And, and the Kathy Griffin thing, um, I just really wish like the metal got this backlash. <laughs> like, I want us to get negative press, you know, for doing something like this, but it seems like we've done it too extreme for too long that it's so hard to get mainstream media's attention. But that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at because that I was have. not a big deal to anybody that listens to metal. They're like, yeah, well, big fucking deal. Keep in mind though, chopping off the president's head. Alice Cooper did that in '75, '76. That was Nixon. a big deal back then. Yeah, with that Nixon. was huge. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. after that. After that, what? And I, I guess that's it. I guess it's just because she's technically a CNN person that people cared, right? Well, that's what it is. I mean, it's like you 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 have a person on a news station. You know, she's closely everyone. Her her relationship with Anderson Cooper is well documented. Mm-hmm. So she's very close with one of the main anchors. Yeah. And the deal is though is when you hang out with someone and you associate yourself with someone who is that extreme in their views, Anderson Cooper better watch the fuck out because. You know, I mean, oh, I don't know. What, I don't know what you mean. What I'm saying is, though, is when you are so closely, re- you know, related to someone, not not by blood, but I mean, just with the relationship, Kathy Griffin, whatever she does is going to have a, is going to reflect negatively on him. And it's like shit could ha- shit could go wrong. Let's. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking. But all about I know is, well, I know you don't. <laughs> Anyways, do they, they fuck or not in the Ramstein video? Were you looking that I'm up? Trying to find it. Still. So moving on to another thing that makes no sense. So we get off this political thing. I just like I said, the main thing we talked about it is because it's like, man, come on, 
We, we, we take it to that level. Let's get some fucking press on that. Uh, a Ukrainian Zoom? This is a great. They erect a statue of Slayer's Tamariah, and then they have lyrics of Dead Skin Mask, you know, and that song, if I'm not mistaken, is about Ed Gein, you know? So it makes no sense whatsoever to have this at this famous Ukrainian zoo. But that is the opposite of Kathy Griffin getting the press for what Bruheria does. It's like Slayer's getting pressed for no reason yeah. about a cannibal <laughs> killer, like serial killer, at a zoo. Love it. Well, that's the thing. It's like, that's why the two kind of go hand in hand. I mean, you listen to Slayer lyrics, pretty brutal. Yeah, but and, I mean, a zoo? Hey. Hey, dude, who cares, right? Well, that's... I, that, that's I, love, I, love, I love tributes that are out of place. I'm a huge fan of that. I love when you see like a tribute to like, like I said, this, to nothing. You're just walking by and you got to be like, what the fuck is that there for? But then it makes you be like, hey, let me see what's going on with this song and what this has to do with Sue. <laughs> so it's probably my favorite story. Like, I want to go to the Ukraine. Well, can you go to the Ukraine? I'm going to sound real ignorant right here. I mean, yeah, you Ukraine can go to the Ukraine. Right? I mean, it's, no, I wouldn't say it's fine. They're going... They're right now. They're like in, in the that. midst of. I wouldn't say. I don't know if they're in full on civil war mode, but they're definitely. I know. Close I know. To it. I know. I know that the Ukraine's having like a lot of political struggles. That's the thing. Is like when when the I I don't follow politics at all. I don't follow politics here, so I don't know fucking shit about foreign country politics. Right. But of course. It's always very. Um, Pete always likes to tell me to shut up when I bring up anything political uh, in our regular lives. Yeah. So not just on the show. <laughs> just like, not shut a, up. He's like, no. Up. Wait a minute. This is hard to think about. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> not it. It's it's pretty simple to think about. It's just dumb to talk about anyway so uh so yeah dude so uh we got one one thing where we got ignored with the kathy griffin and then we got one absolutely no reason fucking tamaria statue mm-hmm. you know like and that's another thing is like whoever thought you'd get a tamaria statue you know <laughs> did you ever think like you know how there's a bond scott one out there uh, in in australia and well, they, they you got would a, think, you would think like somebody would have to die before they get a statue at a zoo at a zoo for no reason <laughs> there is yeah. no reason for this i love it i hope it stands there forever and i hope it's got you know when you walk past statues it's just full of fucking bird poop yeah i hope it's got bird poop <laughs> all over that white beard well that's what i don't get yeah and it's funny too they didn't do the tom Araya from like 94 no, you know what i mean they, they did the new tom they did like the new they, not, they did yeah, santa they did claus the, or they did, yeah 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 i love it exactly it's great dude this guy's watching me when i'm sleeping and he knows when i'm awake that kind of tom Araya. <laughs> you know that was a drunk idea that just went all the way you know whoever was that owns that zoo was like you know what? we should do that yeah listen to this song all the time let's fucking do it and they just put money in they probably paid an artist to make that sculpture and well, was yeah. like oh shit we already paid somebody but we gotta do I don't something get, with this <laughs> but you know what that just goes to show you the difference in culture when it when you know you when you cross the pond i mean metal gets such high praise over there i know you know and weird. out here it's yeah. like the, you know the, the dumber the lyrics the, the the easier the music the less original the music Everyone's just like, oh, yeah, that's that's what reaches the top of the billboard charts. It's fucking disgusting. Well, I also think like there's a I, I think I think the things that become popular um, in music, TV and life. Now, I'm, I'm trying to very find much being sold. Don't Yeah, we can drop the pussy. Thing. But I, you, you guys let us know in the comment section. Peop- yeah, a few people actually a few people are. I'm telling you, I saw the video now. Unless I mean, we, actual members of Ramstein. Yeah, are yeah. Fucking unless yeah. they were unbelievable. Now, granted, this is a, this is. I don't think they had the technology made available to the public like they do now. Like mm-hmm. now they could put your head on someone's body while they're fucking and we would never know. No. You know, so no. I think I think back in the day they did it. And it's and she it shows them getting blowjobs, it shows them fucking some chick. I'm telling you, it's it's Yeah, I don't know where they can so go. So I really think they, I, they've gone every extreme route, but they, dude, they're huge. So, anyways, um, next story uh, that we'll talk about, we'll touch on real quick. We don't want to get too intense on it, is that the Chris Cornell's toxicology report came back. Um, he did have prescription medications in his body. I mean, this country is is we, we are losing like well, like Prince, Michael Jackson, Chris Cornell. All these guys have somehow needed this kind of like this medication people, type thing, and it's like I think that we're the like the big pharma is really winning. Well, what's out it, here? Well, like, how it's really winning is because. You know, everybody goes, here, take this pill. You'll feel better. That's yeah, it. I know. And I mean, we have to take personal responsibility for you any medication t- we take. You're right. Because we know you can get addicted. Same with drugs. Like but my if someone's thing is, doing though, heroin, yeah. it's not the heroin uh, dealer's well, fault. Well, even if it's ha- even if it's yeah. heroin, though, like heroin, half the time, half these people are getting hooked on heroin because of the drugs they were prescribed by the doctor. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you run out, you know, you run out of these doctor doctor prescriptions. They can't write you a prescription anymore. Now you're trying to hit these pills on the streets. Now mm-hmm. you're paying fifty bucks for a fucking pill of oxycontin. And obviously, that's not what's what happened with Chris Cornell. It's yeah. Just, it's, the the it's, point it's, is, is that like when you get a report back like that. And that doesn't, to me, it doesn't clear up any answers. I don't know if it makes a difference, but I, I know anything, pills can, can mess up, you know, it, it, 
the end result is the end result. That's how I think. I'm simple-minded. It's like, hey, I, the, the guy's gone, you know, and this is how it went down. And regardless of step one, two, or three, there's no bringing yeah, it back. Yeah, but this is the, see, this is the problem with being simple-minded, though. Like, you have to – this is where you and I always butt heads. Mm. I, I am very I, – I I'm not going to sit You want to blame that. someone for his death. No, I'm not blaming someone for his death, but what I want to do is I want to get to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that this – I don't want to sit there and go, oh, he's dead. Well, you know, it's, he's dead. Who, it doesn't matter anymore. No, it does matter. Oh, it you does have matter, to, but – Yeah, you have to figure out exactly what these – what these drugs are doing to someone now, like when you're, when you give somebody like a pill, you even see it too. It'll go, uh, yeah, here, take this pill. You know, if you're suffering from depression and then it'll go side effects include uh, suicide. I'm like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I thought it was supposed to make me feel better. That shouldn't be even in the discussion. It's I always thing. felt, dude, and that's every pill, but like that's almost every pill. Suicidal thoughts is in there, even if it's like yeah. some, some sort of thing. It's like, I would think that's a reason not to pass this pill. Like, exactly. But for some reason, it's not, which is really weird. But to that's me. what I'm getting. It'd be one thing. It's like, here, you know, this, this is, pill may make you feel better or may make you want to kill yourself. If, if it's going to make yeah, you want to kill 50, yourself, 50, you need to not put that yeah. on the market. And look, and I understand that it's like 5% of the people that take it are probably, you know, that's still, that's Who still cares? a lot. That, exactly. If one person you're supposed to helping takes their life, that shit shouldn't be on the market. Totally right. You know, totally one true. person is, is worth more than, you know, uh, uh, anti anxiety pill. Mm, Are you farting? No, I'm disagreeing with that. But uh, there's a lot of people out there that got to go. Not Chris Cornell, but there's a lot of people out there that I want gone. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, no. I'm just telling you. The, the whole idea of every human life matters. Let is, your agenda is, be heard. No, no. The whole idea that every human life matters is so fucking stupid to me. No, not everyone does. But again, I don't want to see anybody that's suffering from depression take this pill and then take their life. I think that's bullshit. That's why I don't want this pill on the market. It doesn't belong on the market. You know what I mean? But the idea is, it would be one thing if it were like, here, take this pill to feel better. Or you might gain some weight. Or you might get the shits. Okay, Maybe there's a, there's a trade off there. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, hey, I got diarrhea, but at least I'm in a good mood. But if it's like, hey, I want to take this pill to get into a good mood, and now all of a sudden I'm suicidal, doesn't that kind of the exact opposite of what you're fucking taking the pill for? Yeah, that's what I said a while ago. Yeah, and then you did your thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> See, there you go. No, I, got, I'm, I, do. I got nothing. So uh, next next story we'll touch on real quick. Uh, Oceano, a band that you know, guys at Metal Sucks on a fan on. I'm not a huge fan of this band at all. All right. But somehow they had the highest record sales. It doubles the number of their previous records. So I love it when someone like this finds fans. Like, like I said, I, I'm not a, a supporter big time of their music. I don't, I've seen them live. And I mean, dude, they, 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 they work hard. They work hard for sure. Right. They're trying to get their stuff out there. But the fact that they doubled their numbers of their previous records from 2015 to 2017, when record sales were supposed to be going down, um, you got to give them hats off. Okay. How many records so, did they sell before? If they sold like two records and then they sold no, four. They sold, it was like 2,000 to 4,000. Okay. Yeah. Which is very commendable, dude. And another thing we have to apologize, I guess, for is that we're not apologizing. Uh, uh, excuse me. We did talk shit about Linkin Park last week. We're like, this song is horrendous, yet they got the number one record in America well, yeah, sold over 100,000 well, copies. Because, because so it's Linkin Park. We dude. aren't... Uh, because it's Linkin Park. But and the change was fine then. But no, because there's a lot of people out there that are going to go out there and buy the record just because of the name value. That's mm-hmm. it. So that's why they have the number one record. Now, granted, let's see what the record's going to be after this. Oh, the second week drop's going to be huge, I'm that's sure. What, exactly. So the second week drop is going to be huge, but I'm talking about the next Linkin Park record. How are they going to be able to get those fans back that they alienated, the same ones that Chester wanted to punch in the face for not liking the new record? Yeah, but that's the thing. is like, I don't know if they need to get fans back. They, they, they got them forever. No, they don't have them forever. You put out a piece of shit like that, you're losing a lot of fans. Mm. You're, and especially when you follow it up with a comment saying, if you want us to go back, you know, if you like our old shit better than our new shit, fuck you. Like, but it, no. I, I agreed with you last week, but then his record came out number one. No, no, no. I knew it would come out number one. It's Linkin Park. Not a lot of people even heard that single before they even heard it. They go, Linkin Park, got to buy it. And that was it. Hmm. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that had the record on order, kind of like how you do things, where you order things, yes. and then they, 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 they're mailed to you the day they come out, Yes, right? There's yes. a lot of people out there that did that before they even heard a single song. Yes. I pre-ordered the suffocation like a month and a half ago. Okay, but you what know? I'm telling you, though, is And I'm going to get why, it next Friday. That's why, yeah. that's why Linkin Park's record was number one, not because it's good. It's, it's funny, like when I do pre-order records and, and bands put out songs, everybody, I don't care. Well, I'll listen to the song when I get the record. Yeah, every, <laughs> yeah. and everybody, <laughs> everybody wants to shit on uh, Metallica saying, hey, Anger, but guess what? That record put out a. F- they've sold a shit ton of copies of that the first week. Guarantee it. 
Yeah, but you know, I'm not saying I'll they double this, the record. I'll sales, tell you this but. about Metallica saying anger, like as far as when the single was released and it was like, you know, wasn't the greatest song. It was a heavier song than the previous output. So I, I did buy that first week. You know, I remember buying that first week, and then when I the the record in its entirety, I'm like, oh, this isn't good. What? See, but what but I'm like, getting at, I mean, the song they put out was like, all right, well, they're obviously going in a heavy direction. Linkin Park did the opposite. See, if somebody if they put out a, a lighter song first, you still would have bought it. Because it's Metallica. You would have bought it. And Oceano, just if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just put out and the same record that, and doubled. But, if, but with Oceano, first off, it's not like 4,000 records is a ton of fucking, you know, granted, it's, it's, it's commendable. I mean, it's like congratulations. People don't Hats have to buy to records you. these days. You're right. It's huge. You're right. Hats off to yeah. you. Hats that's a, off that's to you. Great, but again, that's a, that's a great record sale, But you dude. build, though. You build up. Yeah. You build up. You know, the, the more records that you release, the more records that you release and the more popular or the more touring and all that other stuff that these guys have done that, you know, yeah. we can't, the things that we can't knock this band for. Yeah. All the hard work that they put in, yeah, it's going to pay off. It makes me want to actually... The, I listened to one of those records back in the day. I think it was Incisions, and it did nothing for me. But the fact that this one sells better... Is this weird? Does your mind work this way? The fact this one doubled its sales, it makes me want to hear it. It makes me want to be like, hmm, maybe I should give them a second chance. All right. Do you, you disagree when well, you hear a record think, sells well? See, not to me. It makes... Dude, I want to hear the new Linkin Park record in its entirety now, even though I have never owned or listened to a Linkin Park record, because I'm like, how is this the number one record in America? It is a rock act, technically. Because right? I think with you, you're just starving for entertainment. You just need something. Starving. Start, well, yeah, if you're going to buy the new Linkin Park I'm record. I'm not going to buy it. No, I said okay. I want to hear it. You want to hear it. See, I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't buy a Linkin Park record, because I know I don't like the band. I have... I don't like the band either, but like, I wouldn't... Uh, I have no interest in hearing that record. Yeah. None. What about Oceano? None. None. Yeah, care. that's me. So okay. no, I'm, I, I will probably check. I'm not going to buy the record, but I'll probably check it out. And then if I like it, dude, I'll, I'll you know, I'll own it. There's, dude, I, I like owning one copy of of bands that like that are that are hardcore in the grind that work ten years strong. I like that. You know, I got a Broken Hope record in in my collection. There's there's bands that you you buy a record from, and then you're like, eh. Whatever you know, Dude, you give everyone a shot. Exactly. I'm not Sometimes. saying to not give them a shot, but mm-hmm. it's like if it's a band that you already know, like Lincoln Park, a band that you know they have. I don't need to give them a shot. They do have some songs that I like. I'm not saying that I hate every Lincoln Park song. I'm okay? sure they do. They got hits galore. But, I bet but, if I saw them live, I'd know nine nine out of right their ten. But songs as they they've, but as they've progressed though, mm-hmm. they've they've gotten further and further away from actual instruments and they've just relied so, too much on the electronica and that's where you lost me i can't get into it after that all right but, it's interview time yes. dude we had a great interview every death metal guy we interview is always the best interviews i love these guys dude but but terrence hobb from suffocation man one of the coolest guys ever you guys are gonna love this one so uh check it out right here uh peter and brandon here with the metal sucks podcast we have death metal royalty on the phone with us terrence hobbs from suffocation how are you doing, sir? Hey, guys. How are you, fellas? I'm hanging in there, man. Right on, man. Right on. So what's the biggest difference between the death metal scene when uh, Suffocation first got started and today's scene? Uh, well, for us, in particular, we didn't really know shit. So, um, <laughs> I mean, really, really, back in the day, I mean, you know, it was, a, it was a much more newer thing, with the exception of, like, quite a few thrash bands that we all know and love, you know, like Exodus and Pessimus and things like that. When uh, we first, when we first really started like coming out into shows, you know, it was a lot harder. You know, I mean, we had to do flyers, we had to go with, you know, to every concert hall and just, you know, give them press packs and demo tapes and things like that in order to try to get shows. And I mean, you know, it was it was a little bit more difficult, and I don't think that it had matured quite as much as the way it is now. But, uh, you know, I mean, still, it, it was still a lot of fun, except for the fact that it was just like, it was it was a lot more pulling teeth. Now with social media and things like that, it makes it a little bit easier to get out to fans and people who appreciate the band. And I think that's a bonus for newer bands as opposed to us older guys that really had to do, like, a lot more legwork in order to, like, out into shows and go and play you know what i mean yeah and you got a you brought up a good point like back in the day you guys were part of a, a movement so um yeah i mean I, a phone call a phone call across the country could cost you a hundred dollars you know what i mean so nowadays it's much easier with cell phone technology with the internet with computers and things like that i mean it's just as much as going into your email and just emailing like everybody that you know <laughs> As opposed to being like, okay, now we have to have our mailing list. We have to fill this out. We have to go to the post office. We got to get the stamps. We got to go and mail it out. You know, if you have to talk to a promoter or producer or anybody, you know, that was usually a $50 phone call at the time. So, yeah, things were a lot tougher. It, it, we, but 
still, you know, we persevere, and that was just because the times were back then. So now I guess it's a little bit easier. I mean, you can you can see every band under the sun on the internet and find out when they're playing if you're interested. You know what I mean? Yeah, very true, very true. So back, like you were saying, back in the day, even today though, um, when you when were, you were doing the direct support spot for a lot of the bands um, in that early scene, or even today, um, who was the the hardest? fans to win over for you guys like when you were directly supporting the band um well i mean i think it's 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 always difficult when you open up for another band i mean they have their way of uh going about things and going about how their day goes going about how their shows go going about how they promote things and uh you know it's always a learning curve because you never know how more angel is going to do it as opposed to fear factory as opposed to behemoth as opposed to you know this one's happening the other one <clears throat> But the basic thing is, and the main thing is, to try to like, be somewhat courteous to whatever bands that you're playing with. I mean, you're all sharing the same stage. You're all going to be eating usually at the same spot. You're all sharing the same back rooms and bathrooms and things of that nature. And when you do that every day for about 30 days, you know, it can get, it can get a little bit, it can get a little bit confining. You know what I mean? And um, at that point in time, that's when you have to kind of take a step back and you have to go, okay, well, they're in the same situation that we are, and maybe because they're the headliner, they're doing a little bit better, but that really doesn't make a difference. You kind of have to just go with the flow and make it so that way the next time you guys meet up, the next time that you go in the play, the next time that you guys go and share a stage together, that everybody kind of knows that they're on the same page and trying to do the same thing in this world. You know what I mean? Us metalheads really do have to stick together more or less. I, I completely so, um, agree. It is funny that you brought up the, the Fear Factory because I did see you guys, I want to say about 10 years ago, it was Fear Factory and suffocation and then their set list yeah. was primarily soul of a new machine like they were catering i felt to like the suffocation fans opposed to their own on that tour and i thought that was a very well, respectful thing for a headliner to kind of be like all right we're gonna do death metal i mean i i, I you know uh, through my heart whatever lineup of fear factor you know i mean as far as i'm concerned i've always been a great fan those guys are yes. really really cool since the beginning of us like you know, back in the early Roadrunner days when they were, you know, solo machine, you know, demanufactured, things like that. When those albums were coming out for them, for us, you know, we were still new. And to be able to actually do some shows with them and Dino and Raymond and all those guys, you know, from that in particular era was really actually very cool. Um, I have nothing but respect for those guys, you know. I mean, of course, it's not their music isn't just straight grinding death metal kind of like we are. You know, they have a little bit more, they have a little bit more of a industrial type of action going on in there, which I think kind of helped, to be honest with you, because, um, you know, we could go out and we could play with every death metal band under the sun, but it necessarily doesn't make a crowd, um, you know, a, a crowd a little bit more, you know, different. So for us kind of bands, even though that we're playing death metal and they're playing a little bit of a different style of metal and, you know, other bands like, say, Whitechapel play a different style of music, to have those different kind of bands on and have that kind of variety on a show is actually really important because, um, you know, it allows, it allows our fans to actually see something else and allows those fans from those bands to actually see something else. So if you gain one fan or lose one fan during all that, that's what's supposed to happen. And, uh, you know, we really we, we really do don't mind supporting other bands as much as we don't mind headlining. So, you know, it's kind of a, it's a fine line sword right there. It's a fine line sword. But still in the same light, we, we do really like to go out and play with a variety of different bands. So if you haven't, if you've seen Suffocation, you've seen us come out with black metal bands. You've seen us come out with more like industrial bands. You've seen us come out with, you know, a bunch of different styles, which I think that variety really helps people take notice of the metal and of the underground music, you know? Yeah, and there was a there was a story that took place not that long ago when uh, Chino Marino from the Deftones said that he doesn't want to tour with Corn anymore. He's like, I love those guys, but I don't want to tour with Corn anymore. Is that because? Do you think that's because it's just he's just tired of the lateral move? Just kind of just kind of piggybacking off what you're saying, where you know these these exactly. Yeah. I, I think so. I think so a lot. I mean, you know, you got to figure. You know, the Deftones crowd and the Corn crowd and um, things of that nature, like fans similar they probably play with each other so much throughout the course of the year or throughout the course of the year that it's kind of like oh why aren't we out with uh 
you know, why aren't we out with Slayer as opposed to going out with Korn? Why aren't we out with Metallica as opposed to going out with Korn? Why aren't we out with Megadeth as opposed to this? And those bands, you know, they all draw a, a, a different crowd of people, and I think that it becomes sterile for them if they're playing in front of the same crowd all the time. Whether or not it's 50,000 people or 100,000 people, it's just not... It's not... It, they're playing in front of the same exact crowd that they always do, and I think that they're trying to expand and get different fans and try to play in different places. And in, in that aspect, yeah, it kind of is like run-of-the-mill, you know what I mean? And after you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, you get tired of it, you know? I believe that. Yeah. And uh, you, guys really? have a, you guys have a new album coming out of The Dark Light, coming out uh, Friday, June 9th. And uh, what are you yep. most excited about this new record? Uh, I am most excited about being able to come back out there and play for you guys. I mean, it's a super aggressive record. There's no doubt about it. It's probably one of the toughest ones that I've had to play in my career with this band. Um, but still, in the, in, in the same light of the dark light, it's like, really, it's just it's just a testament to how the band has been growing over the last few years and how we've changed and things like that. But still, in that, in, in that same aspect, we've also kind of kept the same vibe of what suffocation always has been. So for us, it's a little bit different of a record. We're very excited about it. Obviously, we've had a couple of years to write it. And, um, you know, we just can't really wait to get back out on the road and start kicking ass again because, uh, you know, for Pinnacle of Bedlam, as, as time was going on, this is almost four years now, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we toured, we toured, we toured, we played with as many bands as we could until the point where it was like, okay, it's just time to buckle down and get this record out. I mean, it's been written for a little while already, but we just haven't put it down on, on you know, we haven't etched it in stone yet. And finally, we had the chance to go and do that, you know, throughout all the all the difficulties that the band has had over the last couple of years. So we're really excited. We worked our ass off. We really want, you know, people to come and see us live so that, that way they know what they're hearing on that record and what they see live is pretty much one of the same, you know? And, uh, so it's a really exciting thing. <laughs> and uh, speaking of the evolution of the band, you know, what's one thing, what's, a, what's an aspect of growth that only you guys would be able to know as opposed to like a fan? Well, I mean, I think internally, I think internally for the band, you know, between me, Derek Frank, you know, and the newer guys that are in the band now, I'm sure you guys already heard, but, uh, you know, we really want to make sure that we're making a record that's more for us, not necessarily for what other people outside of us would want from us do you know what i mean because everybody wants a super technical death metal record everybody wants a really black metal record everybody wants this that and the other thing is where when we go about writing riffs and material and trying to bring it to you guys it's not meant for them it's meant for us (laughs) you know what i mean so you know for all the aggression and all the things that you hear on our records i mean that's basically us taking our frustrations out on our instruments and trying to coerce them into something listenable you know, so <laughs> this is really how we go about doing what we do. And I think that I think it's going to show that it's a little bit different of a record than your average sucker record. But then again, it's still going to take to the same light, like where you can put on an Epic of Forgotten or a Pierce from the Sin and then put on Up the Dark Light, you'll realize the band is still doing what it was doing. And it really hasn't changed much of the style, although some of the members have changed. So that's, you know, that's our take on that record and how you know how we want to approach the rest of the world with it it's something that we did for ourselves not necessarily something for everybody else just like most suffocation records are it's, it's so, funny um, you said that because when i first get when i got pinnacle of bedlam i remember i put it in and then like cycles of suffering hit me right away i'm like whoa i'm not ready well, hold on hold on hold on i had to go back <laughs> there's no small talk on suffocation records and that's what i love about you guys there's no intro yeah there's i mean no... you know we, we really yeah, go ahead. We're not trying to put, you know, we're not trying to put in all filler intros and all the rest of this stuff. And like, you know, we're just going straight for the gusto. We just went straight death metal the whole freaking time. Of course, we want it to be heavy and we want it to be interesting, but basically, we're looking to just, you know, throw that hammer as far as we can every time that we make a record. So, you know, it's pretty heavy. Yes. <laughs> so in that light, we're just trying to like, really, you know, really just make as much impact as we can. But now in this day and age, it's not like it was, you know, in 1988, uh, there's a lot more bands that are in the scene now that are doing extreme music and their outlet 
they have it already. They already have the social media and everything. They grew up with it. So for them, they have a little bit of an advantage being a newer band because now they know that everything is based off of this. That's what they go and do. For us, it isn't. It's like, dude, we're just coming to fucking do some death metal. It's like, you know, it's like your old ground home roots type stuff where it's a band in a room that jams to figure out everything that they're going to do. And they jam to go into the studio and they jam to get out of the studio and they jam on the stage and everything is about us actually being a band. So that's what, you know, that's where we're aiming our, our goals. And you're trying to always make an extreme record because that's what suffocation is, you know? And uh, you were talking about, you know, how, how this, how this new record of the dark light. And you said just like most suffocation records, like you did this for you guys, but you did say most. Yeah. And it's like, what was the, was there ever a record that you didn't do for you guys? And it just kind of taught you guys all like, look, we got to do what we got to do or else this shit is over. Well, I mean, in this, it, it, that would have kind of been like the Breeding Spawn record. You know what I mean? Uh, you guys know we always record a Breeding Spawn song. Over yeah, that was a question again. we had, yeah. Uh, on, on, every, on every record, only because, you know, that record had great material. And, you know, after after Effigy had forgotten, we were more driven by what the fans said. That, and that would have been that one record. We were like, fuck, man, we got to write something really technical. And we got to write something super fast. And, you know, it, it came out that the music was great but because the band was in so much turmoil and because the band wasn't thinking about what the band wanted to do for itself. I think that that's what really made, you know, let alone the fact that, you know, just the band was arguing with each other points of views were different we really weren't coerced together as a band and as i said earlier we didn't know shit so it was like you know a bunch of, it was like a bunch of friends who had conflicting ideas and then the conflicting ideas and what everybody else wanted. so all that stuff just compiled into it and it came out that the album's music was great but the album's production was garbage and when that happened everybody in the band from the former lineups all the way up to the new ones right now was just like Dude, if we could re-record this album, it would be fucking sick. Oh, if we could re-record a song, it would be sick. So since that time, since Breathing the Spawn has come out, really, that's what we focused on as far as, like, let's say, a quote-unquote bonus track. It really isn't a bonus track. It's just another suffocation song that never got its time of day, that it wasn't listenable. And that's something that we really have to, you know, we really worry about. And that's why we kind of take it more on ourselves now than as opposed to what the fans want to hear. Mm. Because, you know, you can't, you can't appeal to everybody, so we have to just worry about appealing to the fans. And when we're proud of the work that we do, we can give it out to you guys, and you guys can judge it for all you want. Nah, I love you it. Know? Yeah, love for it. sure. And that by doing that, though, these the songs from Being the Spawn, like you said, the last four records you've recorded, one on each. I believe there was two on yeah. the self-titled. I can't remember, but... The the point yeah, is yeah we you know we banged out a little bit here <laughs> oh, so with with that those songs like you're saying are part of the new record you don't you're never gonna re-release like all those songs after we re-recorded as a no, song, no, like, no no so so over the course of time you know there's only two bringing the spawn songs excuse me the only two bringing the spawn songs left off of that record anyway. So that means that there's probably gonna be another two suffocation records coming through the course. Of time. <laughs> Love it, <laughs> love it. <laughs> It's simple math, you know, and then we get scared. Yeah, that's just simple. That's just simple math, and then from there, I feel like a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Right. <laughs> but you know, these people can actually hear it, and then finally, if there's those real diehard suffocation fans that buy all of our records all the time, or download them, or do whatever they're going to do, they'll be able to piece together a new breeding spawn record from all the other production, and it will definitely sound better than the original record. It's just a matter that each each album sounds a little different, but it'll be much better than what Breeding the Spawn actually was as far as sound quality is concerned. And uh, hopefully we can finish and accomplish all of that sometime within the next few, you know, within the next few years, you know? Yeah, and it's easy now because you can just make a playlist with all the songs from the, the tracks and be like, hey, there's my Breeding the Spawn. You got it. There you go. You <laughs> you no know, racking the we'll brain. that one. We'll call that one rebreeding the spawn. Yeah. Bang. <laughs> that's, hey. what, that's what I'll type in, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the new record is, uh, is the first with yep. new guitarist Charlie Arago and drummer Eric Moretti. Uh, what are the challenges when you have a new guitarist and drummer entering your band? Oh, man, you guys. You, I mean, you know, as far as suffocation material, it's not like, let's say, the most complicated material in the world, but it's definitely not simple material. And, um, you know, we have quite a discography behind us now. It's like, you know, we're going on something like 29, 30 years. 
of of making music. And of course, the lineups were different. So for me, being there the whole entire time, you know, from from the demos to all the way up until now, it's kind of crazy for me, for one. But for two, it's just like you know, you in, you introduce somebody who hasn't really experienced everything that the band has. It becomes a big learning curve and, a, and more of a teaching curve for me. You know what I mean? Because when we bring in a new guitar player, because Guy Marche decided to step down a couple of years ago, you know, that's a lot of work going back with all this material that we have and how we want to play our live sets and change our live sets with different songs that we, you know, normally don't play. It becomes a big thing of homework and it becomes a big thing of studying and it becomes a big thing of teaching that is, you know, it's really important that we sit there and we express our ideas. I can sit down there and verbally and, and, and physically show people the material to get them on point, and then from there it's rehearsals, you know? So for, for a band like me and for a, a musician like me who's actually been there, it's pretty tough, man. You know, I'm not, I'm not fond of anybody ever being changed in my band because it's more of a setback than it is moving forward. Mm. Because now I have to go back over all that material with these guys and get them up to par and get them up to speed so that way when we can come out and play for you guys, you guys are hearing the same shit you always heard, you know? Or, or the things that you want to hear for live. As far as, um, but I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make it something that I wouldn't do because, you know, I love suffocation and if there was ever a day that I couldn't do it, I would hope these guys could. But, um, you know, it's a big learning curve, man, and it's a, it's a big le- teaching curve for me. Where it's like, you know, incorporating a new drummer, incorporating a new guitar player, just uh, you know, from stick to stern. Now it becomes like parents the librarian. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it it does take a little bit of time away from you know creating and writing and things of that nature. It is a setback because anytime you change a member, it's like you know you're losing you're losing somebody who's like a vital organ in your band and um you know to try to replace it you never know if that's gonna work so for me for me i'm pretty happy with the guys that i have now they're super diehard they're young they're ready to go they're ripping they're good players so i really can't ask for more except for i just don't want them to change <laughs> right <laughs> yeah I like the idea of Terrence the Librarian, by the way. This Dewey Decimal System is hard as fuck, man. Yeah, it's just messed up, bro. You look at this quantum physics, it's just not cool. (laughs) So when you have new guys in the band and they're going on their tours and all that stuff, I mean, are you like on your best behavior? Is it like when you date someone new, like you're not going to fart in front of the girl for like four months? Are you like, let me just be... Uh, No, I I think that these guys broke that deal a long time ago. In fact, probably the day that... uh. You know, we had met... The, Eric was a different story. One of the guys from Despised Icon actually was like, knew that we needed a drummer after Kevin Talley. And, you know, Kevin Kevin's studio drummer, Kevin Talley's studio drummer, he's yeah. just never going to get... He's played on like 1,700 different albums, you know? So for him, he had that work piling up while he was out on tour with us. And he was like, dude, I got to go. Like, I can't really do all this touring and stuff. And he was like, okay, Kev, man, we get it. But now we need a drummer because we have Summer Slaughter tour coming up. What are we going to do? And one of the guys from the Spies Icon came up and, and led us in the right direction to Eric. And Eric is just an amazing drummer. He's like super technically proficient. He's really good at what he does. I mean, he can sit with his back against the wall and do 300 BPM, no problem. And, you know, for us, that's, that's a great thing because, you know, we were always trying to push the envelope of speed, you know, from, you know, the early days in 1989, you know, or. So to have somebody who's actually grown up in that type of environment who really is proficient doing it is like kind of like a great thing. So, uh, you know, they introduced us there. And with these guys, yeah, I mean, they broke the farting rule a long time ago. Pretty much the day that we all... I the day that we all hung out and had a few beers, everybody was like, all right, there you go, guys. Dude, <laughs> you know, I say that. fart on the first date. I always say fart on the first date, dude. Just cut your losses. Yeah, it was fart, fart on the first date. You knew the relationship was over, and then it was just, you know, business as usual. Yeah, <laughs> yeah love, me, love me for me. That's pretty much what it is. <laughs> so uh, did Charlie or Eric, did they contribute to the songwriting process on the new record at all, or was that kind of already mapped out? Uh, well, that was pretty much already mapped out. I mean, over the course of time, we were doing pre-production with Kevin and stuff like that. So, it, I mean, as soon as Pinnacle of Bedlam was actually done and recorded, it was like the writing process never really stopped. 
It was just like piece by piece we were putting together songs and running it by everybody and doing pre-productions and letting them hear it and letting them get a feel for the tune and letting them bring in their ideas of what they thought would be cool and along the way it would change, you know, until the point where we finally just got into the rehearsal room for like a little over a month and just coerced all of our ideas together to really make this record what it was, you know what I mean, and what it is. Um, it, it, it's a little difficult in the writing process for us, but now it's like, you know, where I had guy who was a significant writer, just like Derek is, just like I am. When these guys, you know, aren't really there and we're <clears throat> too busy traveling and don't have the time to sit around and just like write music because that's what we want to do. We kind of do it piece by piece and go on tour and then come home and when we're off, we do some more. That's why it takes a little bit longer for a suffocation record to come out because we tour quite so much, you know, that um, it makes it difficult for us to sit down and say, okay, we're just going to take a half a year off. I mean, this is death metal. It's not like death metal. It's death metal. You, <laughs> yeah. you kind of have to turn around and you kind of have to turn around and get your guns up in order to do things like that in order to make sure that like you have the time to be able to write everything that you want to write and coerce it amongst everybody together and make sure that everybody's on the same page. So, I mean, it, it takes time, but it's good that I have musicians who are really, like, actually musicians. They they know what they're doing, and that helps a lot. That helps a lot. So even even after this record, yes, we've started writing some more already. So mm, There we go. <laughs> it, it just never, it, it's a never-ending cycle of the suffering, you know what I mean? Yes, for sure. So let me ask you this question now. A lot of bands, they do classic records in their entirety. But uh, I'm I'm personally I'm more interested in bands doing a deep cut tour where they just play songs rare or they, that they've never played before. Would suffocation? Right, deep, deep, deep side. <laughs> yeah, right. Would you guys? You guys are yep. ideal for that because you have so many great deep cuts that aren't part of the set list. Would you guys be open to that like idea to be like, hey, this is a deep cut? Tour? Um, to, to be honest, yeah, we actually are, and at this point, you know, I mean, suffocation got like a hundred something songs already. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot for us to pick from. The fans always ask, Oh dude, are you gonna play this song? Oh dude, are you gonna play this song? Oh dude, are you gonna play this song? Well it's like, you know, we go to rehearsal and spend, you know, six hours at rehearsal. <laughs> you know, trying to play a live set. So it takes a little bit of practice for us to go back and rehearse those old songs because we have to go back and rehearse them. All the songs are, are, are things you have to rehearse. Yeah. They're not things you can just advantage and go up there and have a good time, smile and laugh and uh you know, you'll get through it. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It's like, oh, shit, if we're not in practice, this isn't going to work. Mm. So, um, you know, in in that aspect, it, it's, I would love to be able to do a B-side song or maybe even do, you know, like an Effigy of Forgotten the whole way through or Pierce from Within the whole way through. So every now and then, you know, as the time is going to go on after this record, I think that's what we are probably going to concentrate on a little bit more is to just do a whole album in its entirety and bring it out to you. Mm. So and, uh, that's still up in the, it's still up in the air, and, nice. you know, because we have we have a whole record to go and tour with and a lot of old songs that we still play, um, you know, for everybody to be incorporated into the set. So that way the old school fan can still see some old school suffocation and the new albums we're still promoting and bringing out for the people that want to hear the new stuff. You, so it's a, it, it, it's it's pretty it's a balancing act, obviously, but still, it, in the same light, I would love to do a Pierce, I would love to do an Effigy, I would love to do like something B side, you know, like you were saying, and um, bring a whole different set to people all together. Have you ever thought so, about probably, doing? Um, have you ever thought about doing one of those tours where basically like you play one of your older records in its entirety, and then you play the new record, and then but there's a costume change, you got to dress in the same year. That yeah, the, record <laughs> the record came out. <laughs> and then <you> come <laughs> what would well, be usually, the gear? Usually, yeah. usually, usually after one set, none of us want to put on any of these nasty clothes again. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> but for so the fans, a, man. You'd I, have like I a bum have equipment a t-shirt. What would, what was even going on in the 90s? <laughs> I, forget it. It would just be a salt shirt. It's just a shirt that's made out of salt. <laughs> People are coming out when they're wearing hyper color. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Exactly. It'd be like, dude, just think and walk home on its own from Cleveland. It's not a big deal. But uh, no, what we would do is um, more than likely, I mean, we've done this once or twice before where we've done double sets. Like, you know, we would come into a place, play 10 or 11 songs, which is like, you know, an hour, 
and then turn around, take like a 10-minute break, and go back out and play like another 10 or 11 songs. We've done that at the Key Club. We've done that at a couple places in Ireland and where it was like a double set. So for us, yeah, it would probably be something like that, except for we wouldn't change our clothes. We'd probably take a five-minute smoke break because everybody's got to get that smoke in, you know? Oh, I guess. And then, uh, and then just hop right back out there and finish it off, you know? <laughs> yes, excellent. So uh, that's, that's what we do. But, yeah, I mean, really, that is the plan. Um, that is a plan of action that we've been looking at pretty intently and talking about amongst us is going, dude, maybe we should do, like, this whole album in its entirety. Dude, maybe we should do that album in its entirety. I'm like, well, if you guys want to, I mean, you just learned all this stuff and we've just been out there playing, and if you want me to slaughter your brain with a whole other record, that's fine by me. <laughs> right. You know? And, and, you know, whatever you guys want to do, it's really cool by me because now at least I have people who are driven that, I mean, of course, we all, as we grow older, we have, like, you know, real-life issues. It's like, oh, shit, you know, this is going to happen. Oh, shit, my wife's pregnant. Oh, boy, this happens. This is, you know, and those things that will really stop a band from being able to move forward as, as quickly as they really want to, you know. So having patience is like a virtue for real at this point. But um, I still do think that, like, in, in, the longer, in the longer scheme of things and in the bigger run of things, that these guys are really in it for, like, the long haul. So for me, it's worth being librarian parents to, uh, <laughs> to get them up to speed on anything that they don't know or what they're interested in. You know, my other guitar player, Charlie, is like, oh, dude, man, we have to play Undeserving. We have to play that song. And, you know, that's like more of a B-Tag song. And I'm like, really? You want to play that song? I was like, I didn't know that you ever want to play that song. You know, so for me, then it's going back to the going back to the woodwork, getting the drummer in, and getting Derek back practice on it, getting me back practice on it, getting these guys to learn it all we need to. And, uh, because it's, so it's work. You know, it's work, but it's a, it's a, it's work that I love to do. It's not like going to a shitty job that late, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's not work. <laughs> so, yeah. Then it's then it's not work, and that gives you a little bit more mental fucking happiness. Because if I had to just do this for a living and I hated doing it, I probably would. You know. Right. Yeah. For sure. And now, two quick. You know, I mean, Last questions uh, before we let you go. So uh, just about, about your guitar style and your technique. Like, how did you find your guitar technique and style? Was it just through playing? Um, well, all right. Let's put it this way. I, I got my first guitar at, like, seven from my great-grandfather, and I smashed it at, like, ten, thinking I was in the hole. You know, <laughs> <laughs> won't be bored again. Right? So, uh. After that, maybe about a year or two went by, and I was like, man, I really would love to get a different guitar, and I got another guitar. And from there, I actually started just, I like kind of just locked myself in my room for a whole bunch of years and just listened to all sorts of music that had guitar in it, you know? And I was just like, because, you know, you, you got all this pop rock and all that, like, you really can't hear the guitar, especially when I was a young kid. Couldn't understand any of it. But you turn around and you listen to Jimi Hendrix, and you listen to, you know, Black Sabbath and, and shit like that. And he was like, damn, the guitar is ripping in there. I, I want to learn how to do that. And that's what really started me off. And it snowballed from that. So, um, you know, there's just a lot of influential guitar players that were out there. I mean, you know, you could name a million guitar players that are really, really good. They were out there doing the same thing, even though that they're not, not recognized. You know, like people like Pazza De Lucia, Tony McAlpine. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the list goes on and on and on. Randy Rose, Ving Bay Mouse. You know, Adrian Smith, Dave Murray. Those guys were all great in my eyes. Same thing with, like, you know, Kirk Hammett. He's a great guitar player, the guy. You know, you can't really knock him for being in Metallica 50 years later. Right. <laughs> no way. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I hate to say it, but that's the real truth. And the fact of the matter is that when you first heard Battery, you were like, holy shit. Oh, that dude. Shit. Yeah. You know, I mean, it made me shit myself. I thought the guitar sound was fucking phenomenal. I was like, wow, man. You know, I want to make sure that I can play like that. So, um, you know, for me, it, it, it's a lot of things were influential to me, you know, um, and it kind of helped me develop whatever my style is. <laughs> you know, I don't even think about it as bad as a style anymore. I just go, man, I fucking can't stand my own guitar playing. That's all I say to myself. I fucking can't stand it. Over it. I'm over it. Let me throw this thing down. <laughs> well, that's you know? motivating too. At, sometimes. At least, it at least it doesn't get pissed off at me and like shit my cereal or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Hey, that right there is motivation. Be happy with it. 
They, they motivate you to be original and I think that's where you're coming in because your, your style is original you're, like I said you might not sound like Randy Rhodes but you seeing him doing what he's doing sounding the way he's doing probably yeah. was yeah. like and I, mean, I want to do that with my own spin you know right well I mean you know I just think it's important that anybody who's anybody who's playing any style of music whether or not it's like you know degenerate or if it's death metal or black metal or if it's whatever should kind of try to have a little bit more open mind to different styles of music because that's the only way that they're going to benefit, you know? Nobody wants to listen to sterility all the time, and uh, at least I don't. I like to hear things that are different, that have textures and stuff like that as well. And um, I think that the biggest thing for new and upcoming musicians is to have a very diverse musical catalog and a diverse musical type of background of things that you listen to because that's what incorporates all that new, those new flavors into the music that you're doing. And I think that that's really important. So you guys get out there and listen to some virtuosos, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> for sure, for sure. So we want to thank you so much, Terrence the Librarian. I'm kidding. Terrence, <laughs> and, I was thinking the same way. Time, I'm, maybe, my, my, I'm just cleaning my glasses now and getting ready to open up a book. So you <laughs> Everyone shut the fuck up! <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Shut up! <laughs> of the Dark Light comes out Friday, June 9th. No small talk. It's suffocation. It's going to be awesome, guys. Got to go out there and get it. Yeah. Pre-order it right away. Um, again, so uh, Terrence, thank you so much for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast, man. A- anytime, you guys. Keep the metal alive, man, and we'll see you out there on the road, man.
Metal Sucks Podcast. Those songs are beasts, dude. It is a funny, like, you, you were just talking about the death metal guys. Like, the guys that sing the most, you know... Brutal shit. Brutal shit yeah. are the nicest the dudes nicest in dudes the world, interview, man. I mean, I, they're, they're, I, they, I just love them. But the songs, let me tell you real quick, both off the new record, coming out Friday, guys. Pre-order that when you hear this interview on the Monday. But the first song was Return to the Abyss. Uh, just a 
fucking great song. And then uh, the second one we played was the first single they released, Your Last Breaths, which, uh, again, dude, if those two tracks don't want, want you to pick up this record, that, that's insanity. But yeah, dude, coolest guy ever. It's like, I, I feel like, I, it, I don't know. I don't know. There's something about death metal dudes. They're, they're just the easiest to talk to, get along with. I think they just know. Well, I think what it is, too, is like uh, they know that if you put out good energy, you're going to get it back. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Even though it doesn't matter what you sing about. It doesn't matter what your art is about. Mm. You know, if you put out good energy, you're just going to get it back. And I'm sure if you ask them, they will tell you that every human life doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it I'm gonna that. disagree with that <laughs> that's pretty much it for Metal Sucks um, who do we got next week well, we're not, we, don't, we don't do that oh that's right yeah, no, no, no. Way to go. we did not pay attention <laughs> we did not we pay, did attention. pay attention no I wanted to see if you were paying attention oh I know who we got next week I did the interview solo now <laughs> <laughs> alright that's it you're not there buddy alright alright guys that's it for Metal Sucks I'm Brandon Hahn I'm Petra Spice. see you guys next week bye bye the Metal Sucks podcast is signing off This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.